You're listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and we're going to be talking about season two promos and stuff in this episode. So Stephanie is avoiding all that stuff as much as she possibly can. So I have two guest hosts with me. Go ahead and introduce yourselves. I'm Sally, who Chris encouraged to watch Orphan Black, and I've been forever grateful. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) I'm Annie. And Chris, what's the word, very persuasively nagged me to watch Orphan Black over many, many moons. And I did in a two-day daze. So, yeah, I'm forever grateful going to this crazy clone club as a newbie. And I love the fact that she wrangled both of us into this episode. You say wrangled, I'm pretty sure you offered. (laughs) Oh, wrangled. Oh, no, I meant wrangled. No, I offered. (laughs) But I just like to put the blame on you. I've noticed. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's fine. I will take the blame for making you watch Orphan Black. I think that's called credit. <laughs> oh, okay. Credit. Excuse me. But I still like like to make it sound like she forced us very nicely. She was very encouraging. It was awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I've encouraged many of my other friends to watch it, too. And to a T, every single one has come back to me and said, I love this show. When is season two? Yeah. Excellent. And the, the Cloneversation special is on tonight. So I don't know. I'm, I'm curious to see if anything they say will confirm or deny anything we're about to speculate about. Mm-hmm. So I had said before that I wasn't going to speculate about stuff that would happen on the show because I feel like anything I say is just going to be completely wrong because I had no idea what was going to happen through like all of the first season. So I'm fully prepared to make an ass out of myself in this episode (laughs) with doofy speculation. Mostly I'm planning on talking about just wondering what the hell all those things mean. Things like the green phone. Did you guys notice the green phone in the promos? I did notice it. Well, when you said green phone, I'm all, oh yeah, you're right. I did notice it, but I, I, I can't remember who was holding it. Sally, did you notice the green phone? I did not notice the green phone. Okay, because you guys know they have the the clone phone they like to call it. <laughs> well, you know, I heard that I heard that ET the extraterrestrial was going to guest star, and he was going to have a great line, which would be ET clone phone home. But they had to cut it. <laughs> yeah, I heard that too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the the entire first season they've got the clone phone, and it's hot pink. Which, of course, Stephanie made the observation. You know, probably Allison picked those out. <laughs> Which one just yeah. said that? It makes perfect sense. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, what we're seeing in the promos, we've, we saw three different characters in the promos they've released so far holding a sort of like a lime green phone. And we see Sarah with one, we see Paul with one, and we see Allison with one. Mm-hmm. Wow. I didn't see now a monitor has a clone phone. Huh. Huh. So... I, I, but now that you say about the color, yeah, because that's what struck me was the color. It's not some, like, I have the black phone cover. Again, I think you're right in Allison picking those out. And I love how neither one of those colors is, like, subtle. Or, <laughs> we're supposed to be hiding from a government agency that's trying to kill us off, and who knows who else, and religious zealots. But we'll have these phones that can be seen from space. <laughs> so, <laughs> What? But I'm sure I can see Allison going and going, well, I'll take the green one. But that kind of fits in with her 
I think if they have the new set of clone phones, they, they talk about, I was watching a clip with Tatiana, how more paranoid Allison is in the second season. So the green phone, knowing that the people that we've seen with them in the promos are Allison and Paul and Sarah, here is a wild speculation. Let's have it. So we know that Allison signed the contract with, I guess, uh, the Dyad Institute. Right. And the organization that Rachel works for. And I think that we've gotten some hints in the promos. That's a decision she will come to regret. We also know that it seems like Paul has developed feelings for Sarah and is probably willing, if he can escape his blackmail situation, to aid and abet her in any way he can for, like, to escape from the Dyad Institute people. So perhaps the three of them band together to have secret phones, secret lime green bright phones, but on the down low and, and hidden, um, you know, from the officials. Maybe it's a way that they're planning to help, I don't know, break Kasima out of Dyad Hospital Jail or something like that, or just free themselves yeah. from the yoke. You know, I would think maybe the Dyad's aware of the pink phone circle, but they're not aware of what will become the lime green phone circle. So, of that phone tree. That was something I wondered if they had worried that they'd been discovered on the pink phone line. And so... Well, again, yeah, every not just Allison, but everybody's paranoia. It'd, be, it'd, it'd make sense. Right. So, and Paul, with his military background, could have ways of going, okay, this isn't safe anymore, we need to switch phones. But Al- not before Allison goes first. Wait, I want to pick out the phone covers. <laughs> But I, I don't feel like Allison would pick lime green, though. Pink made sense. Maybe like a girly bright blue she might go for. Like, I, the I fact feel like. that it's such a striking color and so doesn't fit covert ops makes me think she picked it. You know, though, so a couple of things. I bet that she was somehow responsible for procuring them for two reasons. You know how people who are in the FBI are supposed to remain inconspicuous. So they all wear black suits and black ties and white shirts, which means that you can pick out an FBI agent, at least on TV, a mile away because they all look alike. So perhaps choosing a bright color was an attempt to hide in plain sight because anyone who was in the spy business would think no spy worth his or her salt would choose a phone cover like this, just like we've been saying. So throwing them off the track, right? Second yeah. reason, we know that Allison is an extreme couponer. I bet she got a coupon for <laughs> multicolored phone covers, and she just happened to have these on hand in her craft room. You know what, though? I think, because Chris, you were saying now, picking up with that, that she wouldn't pick green. Maybe she wanted the bright blue and they were out of stock, so she had to compromise her values and they go only with had green. one of the blue one, but she needed them to all match. I bet that's it. Yeah. Makes sense. Let me throw this at you. What if the phone that Paul is using actually belongs to either Sarah or Allison, or possibly even Kazima? Ah, like it's not actually three separate phones, but two. Well, considering that Again, Paul has feelings for Sarah, and I think in the promo he's talking to her So with the green phone, so he still has some contact with her and is still trying to help her despite 
dyad breathing down their necks. So, but that doesn't mean it's his phone. On the run. That's true. Uh, and or you know what's really sad? We spent like ten minutes on this. They could go straight into season two and just not explain the phones at all. But that's the fun of speculation and me throwing you off. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to find out what the real reason is behind phone gate. <laughs> phone gate. Yeah. Indeed. Phone gate. Did you guys see anything about the new clone this season? Yes. Yes, I saw... Either the video or the thing in Entertainment Weekly? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to think... No, I'm trying to think of what was in Entertainment Weekly, because I read it, but... It was just a little blurb on the new clone. Okay, yeah. I was trying to remember exactly what the blurb said. But I saw the video, and I thought, whoa, it was awesome, and what another layer of intrigue. That's pretty heartbreaking. Obviously, it's the same clone several months apart. Is that, right. Or several, yeah. What's her name again? Jennifer Fitzsimmons, I believe. I thought she seemed like such a sweet and earnest person, you know, and uh, so the very first entry in her video diary, she, you know, it was clear that she was a teacher and a swim coach and that she uh, had a positive outlook on life and she was happy. She was a little nervous about mystery disease, but it seemed like she had confidence that people were going to help her figure it out. And then over the course of that promo, it just got worse and worse and more depressing. Yeah, it, it is, again, amazing the transformation that the hair and makeup people can do with Tatiana and to see them create this entirely new clone. And yeah, she was very, I don't mean preppy and annoying, but just kind of peppy and energy and full of life. And yeah, and then to go uh, with the second half of the promo, and the thing that just gave me chills at the end, he goes, well, he said Dr. Leakey was going to help me, but he lied. And I went, oh, crap. Not that we, it's not like we love to trust a Dr. Leakey anyway. I certainly don't as a viewer, but yeah, that's that's really heartbreaking. Of course, somebody pointed out that those jerks made Jennifer Fitzsimmons look kind of the most like Tatiana looks normally. <laughs> Uh, I was like, yeah. darn you, show people. Uh, Why must yeah. you play with our emotions this way? <sighs> well, I'm wondering, it's like, where is this Jennifer Fitzsimmons character in relation to everybody else's timeline? How far ago, how long ago were these, was the beginning of the clip? And is the current part when she's really sick and dying, is that in relation to the current Sarah storyline and Cosima and Rachel and everybody? So, well, wasn't it? Curious. Did I assume this, or is, did this actually happen from the promo? Didn't Kasima come across these video diaries, and she was watching them while she, we saw her in a hospital gown, right? Because because she's sick. Mm -hmm. So my assumption was that Kasima was watching Jennifer's video diaries and probably getting more and more freaked out. I think that was the article that went along with that video. I'm pretty sure oh, that's yeah, what the information right. was right. that yeah that Casimo was watching them yeah as I recall so this so Jennifer could be a clone that's already dead like all the Europeans potentially that's what correct? I thought I thought probably she uh, was a posthumous season two clone the big season two promo ends with that shot of Delphine pulling the sheet off of the presumably dead clone mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. who does look like it's potentially. Jennifer from the later part of the videos. I don't know if it is. 
I've, I've seen a lot of people really, really worried that it might be Cosima, which doesn't make sense to yeah, me. Yeah, I know. That doesn't make sense. And I'm like, no, no. It's got to be... I, yeah, it was my speculation. It could be Jennifer or it could be yet another clone. We don't know. When some people are like, was well, it Helena? And then here's another question for you. Do you think Helena is actually dead? I think she's like a cockroach. Some days I think she's like a cockroach and she's just always going to come back because she's Helena and she freaks me out and she can pull rebar out of her stomach and do cell surgery and she'll be fine. So yeah, bullet. Eh. But yeah, I'd be kind of freaked out if she came back because she so disturbs me. I don't know. I kind of go back and forth in between that one. I mean, it could be an old trope if they go, oh, of course we're going to bring her back. But if they did it effectively and did decide to write that in later, I, I could buy it. I don't know. I, I'm kind of split on that one. I thought it was left a little ambiguous as to whether Helena was actually dead. I, re- I think that I heard something probably through social media that one of the producers commented, you know, yes, she really is. It might have been you guys mentioning it on um, on your podcast about Helena, one of your past mm-hmm. podcasts. But I don't know. I think I... I think I would prefer it if she were not dead because I think she and Sarah have unfinished business and especially now. Exactly. And I think that, um, I don't know. I think a reconciliation between them could pack a lot of emotional wallop. Although, you know, the clone landscape is pretty full. So if they're going to continue to bring new clones onto the show, you could rapidly end up with like, you know, 25 different clone characters in every episode, which would probably be a little exhausting for Tatiana Exhausting Maslany. and expensive and time consuming. Yes. Yeah. Not that she isn't already exhausted. Poor woman. <laughs> well, you know, that actually, um, somebody, I saw a t- tweet on Twitter as opposed to seeing a tweet on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> or Tumblr. Right. I saw a tumble on Tumblr. Actually, you um, could see a tweet on Tumblr because people post them there. It's true. There's a lot of cross-posting, just like cross-pollination, cross-fertilization, and crossing over. That's a DNA term. All right. Focus. All right. So I saw a tweet that said season two of Orphan Black is about proving that the show and the story is awesome, as well as, like, that Tatiana Maslany is an awesome actress. So, you know, I think that... um. That combined with something I must have read somewhere, some article was that, um, I think it was an article, an interview with Tatiana Maslany talking about how exhausting it is to play so many different characters and to be in so much of the show that she was expressing happiness or gladness or whatever about season two, having, um, all the other characters have more role. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's what I've read that it's going to go more into like Felix's background. And, yeah, it's going to go more into that. It's got a new, new Prolethean leader, and it's going to go more into that, because that, to me, is kind of fascinating. I hope we get to see something like that, because so far my impression of that organization is just that they like to lock mentally disturbed people in dirty cages in, in a boat, and I, I'd appreciate an expanded view of what they're all about. I'm actually really, really curious about that, because... I haven't seen Peter Outerbridge in any of the promos. Have you guys? No. Mm -hmm. Because he's playing the new religious leader, apparently. Hmm. With a cowboy hat, which strikes me as really funny. But yeah, I'm wondering what happened to Tomas. Is he still in the cage? And the other new Prolethean leader finds him and frees him. 
I hope not. Get into a mass frenzy of, we must resurrect Helena and kill all the clones. Well, what are the Prolethians? I mean, it seems like, to me, are the goal of the Prolethians and of, you know, the Dyad Institute, are they always opposed? They certainly are not in the best interests of any of the clones who want to be free, like Sarah and Cosima and Allison. It's like they can't be with either side. They're both trying to kill them or harm them or... Yeah, the Neolithians consider them property, and the Prolithians consider them an abomination. Yeah. Neolutionists. Neolutionists. I'm going to suggest they consider a name change, though. (laughs) Hey, maybe they could merge into one organization and reconcile their differences and call themselves the Neolithians. I think that'd be great. Or the Prolutionists. I like Prolutionists. See, this is what I'm thinking now. Yeah, they could come out Prolutionists. Oh, God, I can't say that. But is there going to be a meeting between the Prolethians and Rachel? I can see that coming up. Because hmm. they both want to find Sarah and, you know. Oh, yeah. She's a- but why would they team up? I mean, they're diametrically opposed. That's the whole well, premise. I don't know. I just, I just see Sarah, like, later in the season, maybe being, she's such a shit disturber that she could threaten to bring them both down. And they'll be like, well, maybe we have to work together to get rid of this annoying little clone who keeps getting in the way. I don't know. Maybe. I just spe- speculation, as you say, but probably not. I'm probably way off. So, Annie, you mentioned Rachel. Can we talk about Rachel? Yes, let's talk about Rachel. My impression of her from the final episode was not positive, And she seemed like not a very nice person and that she was going to cause some trouble for all the characters that we like and love. But I, it might have been the Entertainment Weekly article or some other article where Tatiana Maslany said that her favorite character that she played in season two was Rachel. Now, I don't know if that means that she was saying that Rachel is a nice and funny person and that's why it was fun to play her. Maybe it was fun to play her because she's not a nice and funny person. But I think what I deduce from that is that Rachel gets a lot of screen time and a backstory. Agreed. It seems like she does, because we see her, she seems to be like hobnobbing with some business people in one of the promos, and she seems to be very together and knows what she's doing when it comes to running Dyad, and she seems to be very well put together, just a very powerful but merciless kind of person. You know, it's true, and when you say well put together, Annie, something that I noticed about all the different clones is that the way that their hair is done seems to give a clue to their personalities. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Helena's hair was wild and all over the place. And Allison's hair is always very, you know, carefully symmetrical. Yeah. And so Rachel's hair, not only was like, there was not a hair out of place, but she also had a haircut and a hairstyle that, you know, kind of read as like corporate in control, powerful person. Yeah. And her expression reads that way too. Very straight, very cold, very ice queen. And I don't think she's one to uh, make threats lightly either. So that just gives me chills when I see her in the promo. And I think she's saying in relation to Sarah, well, if you don't come in, you know, it's bad for Cosima. What's going to happen to her? In particular, her hairstyle and her, um, Controlled demeanor reminds me of 
at least one or maybe two characters that Holly Marie Combs has played. I think I'm mm-hmm. specifically thinking of Piper from Charmed. I did not watch Charmed religiously, but I've seen several episodes. And Holly Marie Combs gave off a similar vibe, not a severe vibe, but she was also, you know, one of the, the sisters that was very in control. And she also sported a similar haircut. Mm-hmm. Stephanie will be sorry that she missed this discussion. Well, shout out to Stephanie for, because I know she was a big Charmed fan. But yeah, I, I think you're right that Rachel really does seem prominently featured in the promo material. And yeah, in, in one of the, I think it was the Rachel promo, Tatiana Masani says something about how Rachel's certainly hard to love, or at least she found it difficult to love her at the beginning. I think she qualified it. And so hearing that made me think of Helena in the first season, because when it starts out, Helena's this menacing presence. She's really, really creepy. Not that she's ever completely not creepy, but <laughs> but as the season progresses, I at least totally love Helena by the end of the first season. And yes, she freaks me out, but mostly I just feel really, really terrible for her because of circumstances. And so I feel like they could really easily go that same route with Rachel this season. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I mean, Helena freaks me out, but Rachel just is just cold and just not likable. So I don't know if I'll... I, I, admit, I admit, I'm coming in with this bias. I'm like, no, don't harm Seema or Sarah, because I love those characters so much. And I'm like, don't go near our clones that we love. So, But she can do whatever she wants to Allison? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> oh, and Allison. Yeah, no, I, no, those three. So I'm wondering, yeah, if we'll have a backstory that makes us sympathetic to her, or why she is with the Dyad Institute. Or- she didn't have a choice, is what we've already found out, basically. Oh, That's what okay. I'm saying, because the whole first season is about how they find out that Helena was raised within the Prolethean mm-hmm. group, and they brainwashed her, basically. And that Rachel has been raised within the Dyad Right, that's Institute. what they establish at the very end of the first season, oh, is that okay, okay. Rachel yeah. was raised by the neolutionists. Mm-hmm. And so basically I'm I'm thinking she's been brainwashed the other way. <laughs> or at least they've got the the setup for that. Yeah. Wouldn't that be interesting if Helena's still alive and we have a Helena and Rachel scene? Mm. You know, I think that just kind of how Rachel has been presented to us so far, you know, she seems severe and unlikable that I don't know if it's called a trope or what, but I think in any, like a TV show or a story, starting out with a character who is unlikable and then leading you through a journey where you learn more about them and can develop some sympathy for them and then, you know, kind of see what is behind their motivations. I think that's interesting. And right. yeah. that's probably what people were alluding to or Tatiana Maslany was alluding to when she was talking about, mm-hmm. you know, how she didn't like her at first. So that's cool. Right. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I have faith in the Orphan Black team, whatever they're going to do, I'm sure it'll come out great. Because it's just, if that trope, as you're discussing, Sally, if it's done well, it, it really is just on the strength of good writing, good acting. And Orphan Black is a show that does that. Right. I really genuinely appreciate that with the first season, that they really took the time to 
explain everybody's motivations. Like I, I felt mm-hmm. like I understood where everybody was coming from with good decisions and bad decisions. Yeah. It's very tight writing. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in any of the episodes, at least so far, that hasn't been there for a reason, even if we don't yet know the reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, like, messy, extraneous scenes that you're like, why did they do that? So, And that's kind of how it goes with sci-fi shows, right? Like, the first season mm-hmm. is always super tight, and then, you know, by the 14th season, maybe they're starting to run out of ideas, and, you know, <laughs> hence the expression, jumping the shark. But, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of awesome. Like, where do they go from here, from there, where they ended up the end of season two? Like, I'll answer my own question. I think obviously like there's more to find out about why was the diet Institute cloning people? Why were they running? I'm going to quote from one of the promos. Why were they running an illegal human cloning trial? You know, to what end? And we kind of speculated about that a bit before. And I think I'm pretty solidly decided that I think somebody out there just wants to live forever. And so they're experimenting Mm. on human DNA to see how they can create a superhuman who can heal themselves and basically never die because the aging process is just cell death. So that's what I'm going to bet. I know I've got to think of something to bet. Let's make a pool, right? (laughs) You know, like that's what I think is likely. I don't know if we're going to find out the whole reason in season two, but I think they'll make some progress into um, revealing that to us. So I am drinking French roast coffee in honor of Delphine Let's talk about Delphine. And <laughs> have you seen the, uh, I reblogged it on the Tatiana's Everyone page, but somebody drew a picture of uh, Delphine's hair sort of mm. expanding through the seasons. <laughs> have you seen the jokes about really? Delphine's hair leveling up every season? That sort of I thing? did not see it, but I'm going to go check it out. It makes me so I happy. I did not notice it. <laughs> so are we going to just talk about her hair or... No, no, let's talk talk about story stuff. Or whatever. Okay. (laughs) Where do you guys think she gets her hair done? (laughs) Will there be a scene of her getting her hair done? I don't know. (laughs) I really was struck by the shot that is shown in promos where Delphine's hugging Cosima. And I don't know if Cosima's in a gown. Yeah, in her underwear. And, you know, she's got like a glove on, so I don't know if she's been giving her injections. And she's still trying to take care of her. So, or perhaps well, taking blood samples. I don't know. Can we trust Delphine? Can Cosima trust Delphine? My sentimental heart says, I think Delphine's on Cosima's side, but not that Leaky is trying to persuade her otherwise, which we see too in the promos. Well, the situation's really similar to the situation with Paul, because mm-hmm. basically yeah. they're both in a really difficult position, because I, I feel like they both have really fallen and fallen hard for their respective clones. Pardon me, genetic identicals. <laughs> Excuse, yes. But loyalty-wise, they're in a difficult position. First of all, total mind meld, Chris. I was totally thinking that Delphine's and Paul's situations are so similar because they both totally develop feelings for their clones. All right, so get out of my brain. Sorry. But no, no. No, it's cool. It's interesting in there, though. <laughs> I don't think that she was originally intended to be a monitor. And you guys mentioned this in your podcast when you 
talked about the monitors. It didn't seem like her primary role was to be a monitor, but she was assigned to Kasima because they thought that they would totally hit it off and become science girlfriends. That was clearly what Dr. Leakey was thinking. I don't know, but they probably, they just needed someone who, you know, would be able to gain Kasima's interest and trust and, you know, who better, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, she obviously knew about Kasima before because she knew mm-hmm. her tag number. Yeah. There are sort of undertones that maybe she cared about Kasima before actually having met her. Maybe she, you know, has been assigned Kasima's DNA and genetic profile, like that's her project. And so before she met Kasima, she was, I don't know, analyzing DNA and whatever it is, whatever else they do. And so she gained some sort of possessiveness or feeling of ownership. Mm-hmm. Yes, like some sort of dyad caseworker or something. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Assigned to Kasima. I don't know. It's it's rampant speculation on my part. Let's put that in the pool, too, that Delphine was assigned to Kasima as, like, you know, principal investigator for clone number 01100000. 324B21. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Eight six seven five three zero nine. No, that's Jenny. <laughs> right, that's um, Jenny Fitzsimmons. That's hers. <laughs> I bet Jenny's monitor is going to be like have a rock star as his or her cover story, and oh, that'd be awesome. Maybe we'll get to hear that song because they brought some nineties pop music back. Why not the eighties? Oh uh, yeah, maybe so. There's some rampant speculation for you. Jenny, I've got your number. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I also asked my spouse, Laura, if she had any ideas or predictions about season two of Orphan Black, because she's very thoughtful and insightful and reflective. And she did have something that she shared with me and said it was okay for me to share it on the podcast. And here it is, guys. She said... I think Delphine will continue to be hot. <laughs> so she's playing safe yes. bets is what you're saying. <laughs> she's going to put a hundred down on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think she will too. And yes, I will go back and pay special attention to her hair. I just can't believe it wasn't something that was already on your radar. So I saw an interview, like a series of, you know, animated gifts with words on them. There's probably a name for that, right? A gift set. A gift set of Evelyn Brochu, who was on some kind of talk show or um, something like that. It actually stands out for me because her hair was different than Delphine's. You know, it was combed straight. So, it was, you know, she looked different. But she was also talking about, you know, the relationship between Delphine and Christina is about, you know, just like love. It's not a huge coming out storyline or that's not the central focus of it, which that seems like a common theme, you know, that you can hear in many TV shows these days that I think would like to help us imagine a post-gay world where, you know, people don't have to come out and people can just love who they love. It doesn't have to be a big deal. And so that was a cool gift set. Did you see that either last night or this morning? Yes. That's from the Clone Versation, which is on tonight. No way. Okay. Nice. So it was a, it wasn't a talk show. It was the Clone Versation. So where do you think Felix is going to go in season two? Because I keep reading hints that he's going to become more aligned with Allison and have uh, his relationship with Sarah is going to change and maybe not 
for the better what? in terms of. We're, well, I don't know where where his loyalties were lie. Well, it's not two. that he's not going to be loyal to Sarah, but I think it's one of those where Felix is kind of tired of putting up with Sarah's constant drama. And really, who can blame him? Yeah, all the clones' drama is kind of if what I heard. If he's looking for less drama, then hanging out more with Allison is probably not going to help him in that department. That's true. Well, it's a different kind of drama, I suppose. Yeah. That's true. Apparently a, a literal kind of drama, because she's going to do some... <laughs> Like local theater, it looks like. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. In season two? I saw that. That's right. That's hilarious. I'm kind of excited about that. Oh my god. How funny. Well, he is the gay acting coach, so he has to keep playing that role. But I love how it was an analysis that I read of the season two poster, where someone wrote, Well, you notice that Felix's bangs are now done exactly like Allison's. (laughs) It was like a style (laughs) note to signify that he's more on Allison's confidants than Sarah's right now. So Hair means a lot was, on this yeah. show. Well, Felix yeah. changes his an awful lot. And and yeah, looking at the promo poster, somebody had mentioned that not only does he look sort of more in line with, with Allison, but he is physically placed in the poster in between Sarah and Allison. Yeah. So And everybody's kind of in little groups in the poster. Right. But S- Sarah's predominantly in front, then you have Felix and Allison and Donnie in their little trio. So Donnie Schmani, he's the one monitor who hasn't fallen for his his clone. Yeah, he seems to be really sick of the seven year itch, but what if Felix finds out that Donnie is the monitor? Mm-hmm. Well Christian Brood has right. stated that Donnie does actually love Allison. Because I was questioning that too. Mm-hmm. And then Stephanie's like, well we don't know what the relationship looks like and she's right. And yeah, he's confirmed that Donnie does love Allison, but who knows what the circumstances are there either. Well, they've uh, they've been together for, oh, they've been married for a while, and it seems like she's a challenging person. Not that that's a bad thing, but so um, at least, yeah. Well, I wonder because we see scenes of Allison, you know, getting kidnapped and taken away by the Diet Institute, presumably or potentially that happening. Do you think Donnie would ever turn against the Dyad Institute and because of his feelings for Allison and kind of join up with Paul and All the cool monitors are doing it, so I do. (laughs) I don't see Donnie as a very cool monitor, though. (laughs) I think he's kind of... He could eventually be cool, but I think it's going to take a little more work with him. Well, you know, knowing that he has said or stated that um, Donnie does love Allison, you know, I think that could be part of an interesting character arc for him in season yeah. two. I hope he has more of a character arc since it took until the very end for that reveal. That'll be really interesting Yeah, to see his backstory. There's not really anywhere to go but up with Donnie. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, back to the Felix thing. So I think I must have missed that he and Sarah are going to be drifting apart. You know, I, I love their relationship because... You know, they have each other's backs. And certainly, like, it's way more in season one of Orphan Black that Sarah is ordering Felix around and imposing on him. And, you know, we see indications that in their history growing up together that she was sticking up for him. He was probably being bullied. But now, you know, their relationship is more lopsided towards her needs and her drama 
and, uh, what's going on with her. So, you know, I'm, I'm sad to, that we're probably going to be witnessing conflict and estrangement between them. But, you know, I think that that sets it up for them to reconcile and decide that their sibling bond is stronger than ever. Yeah, I think it'll be really interesting because Felix, he never asked for this to be dragged into this clone conspiracy thing. It just kind of happened because Sarah discovered it at the same time she was with him. But he's so loyal. He still supported her. But I think he's just getting tired of the drama, as we've seen. And there's like an interesting shot of him in the promos where he's hitchhiking. So I wonder if he's like, screw all the clones, I'm getting out of here. Mm -hmm. Getting out of Dodge, so... Yeah, but I think it's dangerous for him as well, because isn't the Dyad Institute, are they aware of him, and won't they try and eliminate anybody who's trying to help Cosimo or Sarah or Allison? No doubt. So, yeah. Maybe Sarah sends him away for his own protection. Hmm. Yeah. That actually sounds feasible. <laughs> All right, five bucks. It's in the pool. Yeah. Where do you guys think Kira is? I was about to ask. I think the Dyad Institute has her. I don't think they ran away. I know there's speculation that she and Mrs. S just got out of Dodge, but I think I don't think I think it's more sinister than that. That's pretty dark, Annie. I well, it's dark, you know. I mean, we see Sarah with a gun threatening Rachel, so that's where her mind is going, and I'm like, I don't know. The Dyad's pretty big brother, so I think it's possible that Dyad took her. It's certainly set up as a distinct possibility. But as I've mentioned, I have no idea. I think that it is set up as a distinct possibility, and so it is probably some kind of red herring. And I bet that could be. The, I bet the Prolethians have her. Interesting. See, that scares me more than the Dyad Institute having her. Yeah, and actually kind of scares me more too. Me too. The Prolethians just want to kill the clones off, it seems, and brainwash them even more harmfully, it seems, than the Dyad Institute does. The Dyad Institute, at least, I don't think would want to kill Kira or anything right away. They want to study her because they want to know why Sarah is the only clone that can have kids. So, And that's the other thing. Who is Kira's father? Which we have not found out. I bet Sarah so, knows. Maybe it's the bearded guy. That's what I was <gasps> thinking. I bet. I was just like, oh, thank God it's not Vic when Sarah confirmed that last time. I know, right? Yeah. Otherwise, that child would have been a lot less smarter. So. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Vic. I think Mrs. S is a total badass. Did you see the promo picture of her, of Maria Doyle Kennedy standing there, as Mrs. S, obviously, with the shotgun? Yeah, that, that looks to be awesome. like six feet long. So a few things about Cosima. She's sick, and she needs help, and it seems like from my impression of Jennifer Fitzsimmons, anyway, the Diet Institute either has no idea how to help her or cure her, or they have no interest in helping her or curing her. So I, I predict what will happen for Cosima is that she and Delphine are going to have to take finding a cure into their own hands and do it on the down low. The science, I mean, is what I'm saying, <laughs> if you know what I mean. And sure. So that's the my wink, prediction. wink science. No. Yes. The crazy, crazy science, science, you guys. And I think that uh, she's also clearly a big time fan favorite character. So naturally, I'm thinking there's no way the show will kill her off. But as we've seen it in other shows, killing off fan favorites or favorite characters is something, you know, that uh, 
shows do from time to time for additional dramatic or narrative effect. The impression I got was that the entire reason they recruited Kasima into the Dyad Institute was to solve the mystery of the clone's respiratory illness. Hmm. So, and in the fact that Delphine is an immunologist, you know. Hmm. Well, they still have a live, relatively healthy subject to study. So, but at the same time... And she has a vested interest in solving it, so... But, but at the same time, what Sally was saying earlier, they have no interest in saving her. Well, so that doesn't like, make oh, any sense, sick. though, because they're basically losing money any time one of them dies. That's true, but it could still be, okay, this one's sick, we're just going to write her off. But and why would you do that? Because if it's a... It, we've seen it's a persistent problem among the clones. It's true. But... Yeah, I don't know. The, the, the Dyad don't care about her as much as Delphine does, obviously, so we'll see. I don't know. I imagine that they need to study the respiratory illness in order to cure it. So Jennifer Fitzsimmons True. clearly came before Cosima, and you know she was probably used as an observational subject to figure out what was going on, right? And well, then, who's to say Cosima isn't? Exactly. Like It could be one way or another. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that they won't discard her, so... I know. I don't trust them. Trust no one. Trust no one. I'm just saying, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> I think you're right about that, Chris, for sure. That they, you know, lose one of their test subjects every time a clone dies. But, you know, I think that also... They view them as property. I'm just, I have an image in my mind of uh, lab rats or lab mice. Because you have to kill your mice to dissect them and figure out what's been going on in their brain mm. or their liver or whatever it is you're studying. True. And now I'm super depressed. <laughs> Damn it, Sally. Sorry. Sorry. Let's <laughs> no, take okay. it out on a high note. You guys hashtag save Kasima. <laughs> save Kasima. Whatever happens. I think the main, you know, the central protagonist of the entire orphan black show so far has been Sarah Manning. So I bet, She's going to do something awesome and ingenious that'll save the day. I hope so. And here we didn't even talk about that, but Sarah in the promos is dressed as Cosima. What? See, here's the thing that bugged the crap out of me. Because Cosima has a nose ring, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. But in the shot where we think it's Rachel, or we think it's Sarah threatening Rachel with a gun... The Sarah figure has a nose ring. And I'm like, wait a minute, is that... Because it's Sarah posing as Cosima. Yeah, and I'm like, what the hell? So I caught on that, and I was like, oh, maybe that's how she got in there. Okay, now I get it. Well, did you see the pictures of... There, there's some reception or something, and Cosima's there in her red coat. Mm -hmm. And Delphine comes over and gives her a kiss. Uh-huh. That's not Kazima. That's Sarah. Oh, Do you think that Delphine part knows? I, didn't get. I totally think Delphine knows. <gasps> That's why she's okay. No, no, I got the part with the picture where, and the promo where Sarah was pointing the gun at Rachel, and I'm like, but why does she have the nose ring? So I did, you know, I knew something was going on there, but I didn't know the thing with. I think it's a continuation Delphine. of the same yeah. evening or something, possibly. Yeah. Okay. Because, yeah, it also, in addition to the nose ring, she's got Cosima's eye makeup. Okay. I didn't and her that. hair's okay. sort of not like Sarah normally does her hair. And if you look in the promo pictures, well, first of all, Entertainment Weekly captioned it, you know, quote, Cosima and Delphine. Oh, okay. Or something oh. like that. And, I mean, look at her hair, because it's not Cosima's yeah. hair. Yeah. 
Well, here's the thing, is I'm really worried about Sarah because I have a bunch of feels about her. And <laughs> I know you do. She's my favorite character. And I felt so heartbroken when that's how Tatiana describes Sarah at the beginning of season two. She's just desperate. But I'm really worried that Sarah's gonna get into some situation she just cannot get out of. Because that's how the writing's gonna go. So, I really hope that, you know, they never kill Sarah off, but it's like, I, I just don't want her to be grievously injured or have something happen to Kira, but I don't think they're gonna do anything to Kira, but I do want to see what happens and where she is. Kira. If anything happens to Kira, I will be writing them a very strongly worded letter. No, I don't will not be the only anything. one, I'm sure. I don't think they're going to do anything to Kira or Sarah, but that doesn't mean I'm not going to go through all my feels watching Sarah go through all that anguish. So Right on. Yeah. Well, I will also say that in my house, we do not get BBC America as part of our standard cable package. Oh, no. So while we have been recording this podcast, I just purchased the season pass for season two of Orphan Black on iTunes, and I'm psyched about it. I am excited about your excitement. Thank you, everyone, for joining us for our rampant speculation and rambling about the season two promos. And I'd like to thank Annie and Sally once again for joining me for this. Thank you for inviting us. And you can tell us what you thought of our speculation or share some of your own with us by leaving a comment on the show notes at tatianaiseveryone.com. Or you can send us an email at feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 972-514-7223. You can also follow us on Twitter at TIE Podcast. And the part of the $5 bills in the pool for all the bets we've made about what's going to happen in Season 2 of Orphan Black is played by Tatiana Maslany. Thank you, Sally. <laughs> and thank you for listening. <laughs>